Thanks for caring about people. Face Force. Face Force. They're taking the DMT. He's a man. Wild women ripping in the tarot. It's all Oh, yes. Coming to you live from Arcane Sublevel 7, it's Talk is Cheap. Now here's your host, Dan Hofeld. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. There's no words on it. Oh, fuck! Dang it! All right, go, go. Welcome to Talk is Cheap, where cheap is talk, and talk is cheap, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Dan Hofeld. Thank you so much for joining me on this Tuesday live edition, January 22nd, 2019. Now we are live every Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. It's always good to get the bearings going again and broadcast live. I love it. So if you don't know, we got a universal chat system. You can join us between, we'll be soon to be three platforms, but we got Mixer, Twitch, and soon to be again next week, folks. We're going to be back live streaming on YouTube. Yes, my three-month strike will finally be over. And with that, I hope we can get some phone calls to come uh, add to the show. I love hearing you guys. It's been a long time. It's like, geez, it seems like forever since I've had call-in show to chat with you guys. I miss all that good stuff. So looking forward to that next week. So if you want to call in live to the show, please join us live next week. As always, if you can't catch the show live, we got our full episode available on podcast on whichever podcasting platform you want, either Apple Google or Spotify, it's all there, and many, many others. Now, if you're wondering where the sh- I was supposed to release the regular show this last weekend, the 11-11 episode, uh, the stream bumped out on me again. I had to restart it here, folks. I don't know what's going on, if it's restream or what, but we're having some issues with that stream. I just hit restart real quick. But anyway, yeah, the show, one uh, eleven. we filmed it. We were going to film on Friday. It snowed. It was pretty bad. The roads are bad. We filmed Saturday, and I had to prep for this show. So that'll get released this weekend if you're looking forward to that. We had the whole crew, Dusty, decided to show up. So, so it was it was fun. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. We talked about the nuclear hoax. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Okay, big big show, guys. Yes, he's a man. It's all happening. We're going to have a lot to cover here. I want to China, cover the China social credit score. This is basically an Orwellian state thingamadur by China. Control people in the name of goodness. Also want to cover some NASA news, as always, and the China moon landing update. That was the lander that went on the backside of the moon. We've got some updates on that. Big, big thing happened on last Thursday. Trump announced Space Force, Space Force, Space Space Weapons. So that's huge there. We're going to talk about that. And I want to show some UFO video clips as well. So we got a fun, fun show, folks. Let's get started. Good morning. All right. I want to cover this topic here because this is kind of huge. So we got alien cover-up. Former U.S. Senator claims military pilots fear reporting UFO sightings. A former U.S. Senator has claimed hundreds of military pilots have witnessed UFOs but haven't reported the sightings for fear of repercussion from bosses. Now, this is, of course, Senator Harry Reid, the former Senate Majority Leader. Now, this is huge because, obviously, he was in a place of power. I wish he would have did, you know, he formed the whole ATEP program, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that Louis Elizondo headed up. That was huge. $22 million spent on that. And I think they think something's there, folks. But the whole reason I'm covering this is because it it was, it should have been more. I wish the, okay, brass tacks. Harry Reid should have done something when he was in power, like getting this more public. I understand the people weren't ready. So you had to acclimate it and all that. It's just taken a while. But you see, the thing with all these whistleblowers, they don't do things until they come out out of power and then they go oh I, you know i wish i would have did more or i didn't want to be laughed at so i just kept my head down the article says this is harry reed talking we found in the past is that these pilots when they see something strange like this they 
they were prone to not reporting it for fear that bosses will think something is wrong with them and they don't get the promotion. Reed admitted he had visited the secretive Area 51, but stopped short of saying he believed in little green men. So he visited Area 51. That's insane. I just wonder what stories he would have to tell about that. But as I was looking through the uh, um, videos on the internet, because I wanted to search more about Harry Reid, see what, what he was all about, see if, if he had more prior knowledge, I did find a video clip I want to play. Now, this is from... Oh, who was the interviewer? George Knapp. George Knapp always does a good job with this stuff. So we'll play this and get some comments here. When the Air Force canceled Project Blue Book, but in the decades since, pilots and others continued to encounter technology that is beyond anything known on Earth. If China, Russia, Japan, other countries are doing this, and we're not, something's wrong. He said because if the technology we have, the way these things are described and the way people see them, if this movement took place in anything we have now available to us, it would kill everybody. They couldn't withstand those G-forces. Something's sitting there and boom, down it goes. Former Senate Majority That's Leader huge. Harry Reid's interest in UFOs extends back to the 1980s. It was rekindled in the 90s when Reid spoke to Senator and former astronaut John Glenn about unknown aerial objects. Reid eventually met in a secure room in the U.S. Capitol to ask Senators Daniel Inouye and Ted Stevens if they would authorize funds for a quiet but serious study of UFOs. Both agreed. Are you glad um, the story's out? Yeah, I'm very glad because now we have scientific evidence. Reed says he's proud to have had a hand in kick-starting the Pentagon study, and contrary to some media reports, the information collected was impressive, he says. Well, not impressive to us, but uh, it was good to get this, uh, get the conversation going for the people so they understand, hey, there's more going out there. But that was a, a, a good step to get stuff together again they know what's going on, folks, but they want to make sure that the public can be brought up in a slow-fashioned way. And we're going to get into a lot of this, actually, because when I'm going to talk about the NASA stuff later on in the show, it will really ring a bell for you. But yeah, just a quick update there. And I want to switch over and let's look at some UFO videos, huh? How about that? Ripping and the Terran. All right, now you may have seen this video. This was this high-quality drone footage that was shot in Utah. This was a 2016. They sh they shot it in 2016. Didn't release it until just this past couple weeks here. I think maybe it was last week. But this was in 60 frames. I don't think it was 4K. This particular clip is 1080p, by the way. And Brian Hanley, shout out to Brian Hanley on YouTube. He did an interview with Sam Chortek and Jimmy Chappie for the the two that actually shot this. They were going to use this for B-roll in one of their videos. And it's just amazing. I've never seen anything like this. Let's listen to the interview and go through it here. Go, in, go up into his room and go onto the hard drive on and shows us the clip and it's just like you know we're shooting 60 frames a second try to slow it down as much as possible literally like frame by frame by frame yeah there was no way that he had like messed around with the footage at all okay i was gonna ask was, i was gonna ask yeah because it was it was on the raw it was on the raw clip and this was in 2016 so this was a few years ago and um uh, like literally we're standing in the field, like four or 500 feet away from this drone and don't hear anything. Don't see anything like something traveling that fast would make a sonic boom. When we first saw it, we like broke every single second of that clip down. And if you zoom in right at the beginning of that clip, you can see this thing comes down over the through the valley and then in the valley and then it turns and it turns and it comes straight. So something traveling that fast turning at that speed yeah. that low, right. it's just insane. Yeah. Like we looked on Google Maps and the, the mountain range where it comes where it, you first see it was three and a half miles away from where we were and the drone gets from the mountain range and it passes 
through screen in a second. And so you do that math, it's traveling three and a half miles in a second. Like nothing travels that fast. That Thousands of miles per hour. We're talking folks. That's, it's actually pretty damn decent. You know, the quality I've never seen daylight footage like that where it's clean. And I personally think that this is the legit real deal, but there's a lot of CGI work out there. I understand that. These guys are claiming it's not that. I think it's legit, but whatever you guys think, I'm going to have that link in the description. You can take a look at the video yourself later if you're listening to the podcast, but it is very, very, very compelling. So I thought I would just give my two cents on that. And then there was another one I wanted to show here. UFO seen near Mexico volcano proof of alien base. Now, a UFO was seen near Mexico Popo volcano, leading some to believe aliens are using it as a base. Now, this one comes into the frame there for filming this one on a webcam. And, you know, when you're filming that, you get that streak when it comes in like that. that you can see here kind of looks like a cigar shaped UFO craft until it gets to where it was going. But I'm going to play this one. I'll just turn the audio off here and we'll just watch it goes over and then it turns then it's just hovering there sitting like a speck of light now it's, it's there's still light enough for this webcam to catch this ain't night vision folks this is right before sunset and then it's just hovering there for quite a while i'm actually going to skip it ahead because it sits there for a little while and then it finally decides to take off and go in a different direction. But I think that's pretty damn legit myself too. You know, I don't want to be like one of those guys that believes everything is thrown at him, but there's a lot of stuff out there, folks, and that's very, very interesting. So I figured I'd just show that one as well. And this guy says that was interviewed on this article, prominent alien hunter Scott C. Waring wrote on his blog, UF Sightings Daily, this particular volcano is famous for its UFO sightings over the past five years. I believe the UFO is hovering over the left side of the volcano. It pick up or drop off passengers or cargo for the alien base that sits four to six kilometers below the volcano. So they really believe that there's a underground base in there. Now, you know, uh, Ed James Gilliland on the show, he's got Mount Adams over by him and he's got a base in his. So it really wouldn't surprise me if one uh, base is there as well. There, It's a good spot to have something like that. Even the locals have reported seeing UFOs and alien creatures on the volcano, so this video is not a surprise, but it is but it is excellent evidence that an alien base does exist there. So take it for what it's worth, folks. I just wanted to share that. thought it was pretty interesting. There's a lot of, a lot of hoaxes out there. You got to Take what you get with a grain of salt, I guess, as they say, but there's too many grains of salt to be given anymore, right? So, all right, I want to switch over to the China social credit system. Let's go, huh? All right, China's social credit system. I wanted to cover this the other week, but that show went a little long. I had carry on. We just, whatever. I bumped it to this week. This is huge news. Obviously, this was in implementation, I believe, last year it started. But this is like the ultimate control, ultimate Orwellian state. It's not so much about what you make anymore. It's about what is your social credit. So let's play this clip, and then I want to break this down here for you. This is by CBC, the Canadian Public Broadcast. And it's not just the Uyghurs. China is using technology to monitor all of its people, harnessing the state's surveillance arsenal in a new program called Social Credit. China is home to 1.3 billion people, and their president, Xi Jinping, says the country's new social credit system keeps his people safe and makes their lives easier. 
Xi has ordered cameras plastered across China, leaving no dark corners, and plans to monitor every move by every citizen. He's uh-huh. introduced a nationwide program which scores everyone based on their purchases, lifestyle choices, and habits. It's like adding your Facebook data to your credit score, only with far more serious consequences. Check out this report on how it works by the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Oh, our goal is to ensure that if people... Oh, I gotta turn it down. It's way too loud for you guys to overhear that. Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Our goal is to ensure that if people keep their promises, they can go anywhere in the world. And if people break their promises, they won't be able to move an inch. The system uses facial recognition software to constantly scan and record China's 200 million closed-circuit cameras all connected on a single grid. Then it pairs this information to your online habits from what you buy, to the sites you visit, even what you say on social media. All of this information is then wrapped together into your new social credit score. Do something the Sounds Communist like Party fun. approves of, like buying Chinese products or commit a heroic act, and your score goes up. But do something the party frowns upon, like jaywalking, not paying your mortgage on time, or being politically outspoken, and your score will drop. Liu Hu recently tried... Yeah, you want to talk about Orwellian state. You know, how does it affect the reporters? They're going to get into this reporter guy. That's crazy. You can't even do your job. Book a flight. He was told he was banned from flying because he's on the list of untrustworthy people. Leo was a journalist who was ordered by a court to apologize for a series of tweets he wrote and was then told his apology was insincere. <laughs> Overnight, uh-huh. Leo went from investigative journalist to digital dissident. He can't book flights or trains. He's banned from social media. Wow. And his friends and family have lost social credit points too. Leo has become a digital prisoner in what some people are calling the world's first digital dictatorship. No, no. Joining me once. There it is, folks. Total control, digital digital dictatorship. I mean, that's, you want to talk about Orwellian. What a way to control people. So I was watching a, a Vice News one as well. So in this particular city, Dohu Ta Zai, there was an information collector. She was retired. She did her thing. Now she's just trying to keep busy. They give her $50 a month, and she's basically paid to watch and record neighbors. And that was in 2015, that social credit score system started. So that was going for a little while now. Now, what I've noticed is there's a, many different systems of these in China, the, the, the cities that have different point systems. Some of them have 200 points. Some have, you know, 300, 500. There's this one. In the, on this vice report started with a thousand so you start with a thousand points if there's any bad the uh if you do anything bad that could be like jaywalking like she said in the report any of that stuff the stuff they don't agree with you'll get deducted and then you know what are the re- repercussions of that you can't travel you can't buy it's kind of just like getting a microchip and if you're good but you have to be spotted being good, so you have to be on camera doing a good deed, then your credit score goes up. This reminds me of, if anybody watched that Seinfeld episode with George Costanza, and there's that tip jar that you throw your change in after you buy your sandwich. I think it was either buying gyros or something. But anyway, he paid for it. He was going to be nice, put the change in there, but the, the, uh, the person running the shop turned his back and when he turned his back, he didn't see George put the change in there. So George is like, well, it's as good as useless because it's like I didn't even do it. So he <laughs> digs his hand back in the jar to take that money out. And then he gets caught taking the, <laughs> taking the money and then, you know, it's blowing the wrong way. But that's kind of like what this would be. I mean, you want to get spotted doing something good. So you're like, oh, here, here's some money. I hope you saw it. So that, then the raise, if you raise your score... You get discount on utilities, lower interest loans, the whole shabam. And this one particular Vice news clip, the, di- the guy slipped between, uh, below to 950 and he couldn't even get a, a plane ticket and stuff like that, no loans. This really makes me think about how dating's gonna work with this. Correct. Because no longer are women gonna be looking at the guy's income. Yeah. They're going to be looking at his social credit score as well, so it's, you got to ha- you got to have two things there to 
keep yourself up. But anyway, on the dating apps on the website, they give people with high social credit score a boost. But dating sites are just a big joke. Yes, yes. If you ask me. So how does this infect affect somebody like introverts? I'm more introverted. You know, you might not know it watching this show, but I'm that way. And granted, you could still do other good deeds and stuff, but... You know, how is it going to affect people that are, you know, not so much extroverted and they're, they're kind of more to themselves? Are they, they're going to lose credit score system points because they're not participating in community events and stuff like that. That's something to really think about. And on this Vice clip show, Vice News, I'm not showing the clip, by the way, folks, because I just have a feeling Vice would claim copyrights. But a man co-signed it for a loan. The guy in the video paid his half, but the other party skipped out. So think about that. The guy did his part, paid his half of the loan. The other guy skipped out, but the local court did not care. So he could, the, the, the coach class train tickets were sold out. He could not buy a first class ticket because his score was too low. And a train ride typically takes three to four hours for him to get home, but he had to take the bus back home which takes 10 plus hours just because his buddy defaulted or didn't pay his half on that loan. So total, total control. Couldn't imagine living under something like that. So in the video, he tried to raise his score. He gave money to charity. And obvious, and an interesting thing in that video as well, he didn't know where the charity money was going. He didn't even ask. He didn't care. He just wanted to get his score raised. He donated blood, he did volunteer work, and the, the, the really wicked thing for that is he said, I am finally a normal person. Think about that. Yeah. I am finally a normal person because of this system. And you could think like, oh, this could be, it, it could, I could see it being used for good to help people, but wow, talk about a total... Orwellian nightmare. Trying to stay in line, if you will. That's all it was, to keep everything in line so people do what they're told. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a break. On the other side of this break, I want to talk about NASA future moon plans, the China rover update, and we're going to get into some Space Force news. Stay tuned on Talk is Cheap. Questioning your reality, questioning everything. You're listening to Talk is Cheap with Dan Hofeld. Enjoying the show? Consider supporting us by donating to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash K2D4 Network. Want to listen to the show on the road? Subscribe to our audio podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more platforms. Don't miss a single moment of Talk is Cheap. Like what you hear? Consider supporting the channel by going over to our merch store and making a purchase. Go to k2d4network.com for more. This is Shane Robinson with Unbiased and On the Fence, and you're listening to Talk is Cheap with Dan Hofeld. You're listening to Talk is Cheap with Dan Hofeld on the K2D4 Network. Live from the K2D4Network.com studios, it's Dan Hofeld. Diabetes. 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 Welcome back to the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. It is Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019. And we are here live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. So, yeah, we just talked about this China social credit, very Orwellian stuff there, ladies and gentlemen. But let's go into some NASA stuff, right? Huh, huh, huh. Rain spotted on Saturn's moon Titan. And I want to touch upon this real quick. I'm not going to go into this 
depth too much, but this is important for the disclosure initiative that we're all trying to, to get at here. This picture was taken from the Cessna spacecraft that crashed into Saturn. And before it crashed, it took this picture of Titan, one of Saturn's moons. This was in June 2016, but they finally just released it. So basically they're saying now that there's rain and clouds on this moon, but they say it's methane rain if you look closely here. So again, one of those things, bring out a little disclosure and then pull back. If there's rain, it's methane rain. But one step closer to letting the public know that, yeah, there is life out there. And that brings me to the moon news. Everybody complains, or there's a few people complaining about me ripping into NASA and all that, but it's, it's got to be called out for what it is. Just a big front. No one has set foot on the moon in almost 50 years. That could soon change. Working with companies and other space agencies, NASA is planning to build a moon orbiting space station and a permanent lunar base. Great. I'm all for that. Let's get this thing started. The only thing is this timetable is really slow. I broke this whole thing down here. So I'm not going to go through that. But basically, by the year 2023, they want to be orbiting around the moon. That's four to five years. So it's like, why wasn't this stuff getting perfected on the ground already so they could just go like right now or maybe next year? No, they're going to take four to five years yet. They weren't, then they're going to be orbiting around the moon. Then on at 2024, they want to start building a space station called Gateway that's going to orbit around the moon. Well, it's like... Why are we taking so damn long? It's like this whole disclosure initiative is just slow. And then by 2028, they want to do actually start landing on the moon. That's nine years from now. Nine years they're talking about starting to finally land on the moon and start building bases. It says lunar ice could be mined and converted to air, water, and even rocket fuel. So the little hints of disclosure in there that, hey, we can be self-sufficient up there. But why, why take so long? And, oh man. Lunar bases. So this is interesting here. So thus far, NASA has shown a strong, <clears throat> excuse me. Thus far, NASA hasn't shown a strong interest in building the lunar bases, preferring to leave that job to the international and commercial partners once lunar landers and gateway are up and running. So here's the deal. I'm a man. Uh, NASA is going to use the private sector to get to the moon. And then NASA wants to use the private sector. They don't, NASA doesn't want to worry about building moon bases. They're going to leave that to the private sector. Why do we need NASA at all? Let's just cut out NASA and have the whole thing be private sector. That's what's going to happen because they obviously can't handle the job. The European Space Agency has long promoted the idea of a collaborative international moon village that would serve as a hub for science missions, mining expeditions, and even tourism. But such a village remains conceptual for now. Yeah, it's all conceptual. And then I, I, this just came out, this next article came out today. I had to show this, so I quickly had to read through it, folks. But... Europe Europe wants to mine the moon by 2025. European Space Agency reveals plans that could spark a new space race. European Space Agency revealed it has signed up rocket maker Arain Group to develop plans. Project will examine the possibility of going to the moon before 2025 and starting work there. So here we go. NASA, you're going to be so slow about everything. Europe's going to take it up a notch. So we're going to have China, Europe, U.S., and probably Russia. We're all going to be competing and have this big space race again. Because who? And it's almost like, how far is the U.S. going to tip their hand? Because they they don't they're not going to want to let you know Europe go to the moon before the U.S. officially with bases. So how long before they tip their hand? And they talk about their aim is to mine the regolith on the lunar surface. That's basically that the, the moon rock dust there, which could be used to create rocket fuel. Again, self-sustaining. 
European Space Agency says in the long term, resources in space may be used on Earth. So there you go, folks. It's it's beginning. This was this released today. The other article, <coughs> are the other article I just read to you. This was last week. On oh no, it was January fourth. That was a while ago. So there you go. So NASA has a slow timetable. Europe's going to step it up. And this is good competition. This is healthy competition to make sure that these companies remain in check and do their part to get everything going. My uh, scene switcher just took a crash on me. I don't know why it's got to be a pain like that. But again... You just use private industry the whole way. Why even bother doing other things? And yeah, <laughs> sorry for the folks watching. I'm trying to, or listening maybe is worse. I can't switch my screen thing anymore. I replaced the batteries in this controller and now it's not handling it. Okay, let me just. Do it manually, because that's what we do here. <laughs> Technology is good when it works, but if you have issues, it's like, give me a break. Okay, so this NASA... NASA is getting so much a bad rap, and, you know, I'm one of them. I give it to them, right? Gay! <laughs> but they need to be called out, and now, because they have to stay in check with things, they got right here... NASA alien or NASA alien admission. This this article is blown out of proportion. By the way, these are these are headlines. This is on the Express. They always outdo their headlines. Space agency reveals we can't hide them in bombshell video. Now this is NASA's assistant director of communications, Michelle Fowler. She basically comes out and says, "This was talking about the Mayan uh, apocalypse that was supposed to happen, the 2012 thing." She's like, people are asking us, oh, is something bad supposed to happen? Well, we if we knew, we would tell you guys. I remember back, I think it was uh, in, uh, in 2012, there was this idea that the Mayan apocalypse was going to come, that the world was going to end. It was all over the news. And I actually got a phone call from somebody. I was sitting at my desk at NASA, and somebody asked me the question, you know, is the world going to end next week? And I thought about that. Because, of course, we knew that the world was not going to end. There was no, nothing happening astronomically that we could tell. But I realized this person didn't think of me as an actual human being. That if I knew the world was going to end in a week, I would be at work at my desk. I don't think so. The day uh -huh. you have all the scientists buy up all the great wine and max out their credit cards and disappear, then you might want to worry. But even that's not how we work. We are people. And if we knew something dangerous was coming, there'd be no way for us to hide it. Now, one of the things... Stop right there. So, no way for us to hide it. Well, the biggest thing is, if you guys knew something was going to come, and I bet you this happened many times in the past where we were going to have a catastrophic event, you know, asteroids coming this way, something was going to hit the Earth and destroy life as it would be, but it gets taken care of, the population doesn't have to know, and there was no mass panic. Just like the Men in Black movie, we don't tell the public because we don't want to create panic. That's all it would be. It's all compartmentalized, by the way. She thinks, oh, since one person in NASA would see the, like UFOs, that they would tell everybody. No, you got this little section that's going to clean these photos up and then talk about them to the rest of the NASA organization. It's all controlled. NASA is researching right now is how to actually alleviate a bad collision. If we see a big asteroid coming toward us on a collision course, there are actually many things we could do to avert the asteroid a little bit, have it miss the Earth. And right now they're talking about crashing basically space satellites into a bigger controlled uh, unmanned craft like that to divert it. You know they got weapons to take care of that. We're studying those right now. But in the past, whenever we've even seen something that looked slightly risky, we've gone to the government about it. We've gone to people. We've gone to the press. We have nothing to hide. Uh -huh. 
And this is something that is really difficult in my life. People are saying, are you hiding aliens? Are you hiding evidence of this? Are you hiding the fact that an asteroid's going to blow us up or whatever? Definitely. And to me, it speaks to the separation that somehow scientists are this monolithic, inhuman group. There is separation. We, we could hide things that we would want to. Instead, we've been trying to involve the public in everything that we do. <laughs> really? I know this uh -huh. will not convince uh -huh. the conspiracy theories out there, but one of the things I love most about our science is how accessible it is. They're trying to involve the public on, on their initiative, their directive on what they tell you to believe. They don't want to tell you about the secret space program that they already have, and that's the whole reason NASA has been shut down, because it's basically just a, a stolen front for the people so they can en enjoy the uh, candy, if you will. Here's a little bit more. Here's a little bit more. By the way, we haven't gone to the moon. By the way, we're going to the moon, but it, it's going to be nine years until we start thinking about establishing a base. Well, European space can come in. We're going to build a base sooner. All right. And, all right. Who's going to tip their hand? Is the U.S. going to go, all right, we're going to go sooner too. They're going to have to because they're going to want to be the first ones. This is going to be very interesting, folks, in the coming years. And that's the whole reason I really wanted to step up and do this show weekly because this stuff is going to be going very, very quick. And there's going to be a lot of different things happening fast. And we, I want to call it out on here and have my analysis as we go through it. All right, let's switch over to the China, the China lander on the backside of the moon. China reveals cotton sprout growing on the moon is already dead less than two weeks after it was planted on the lunar lander. Now, if anybody doesn't know, I'm going to bring up some photographs here real quick. You can see this is one of the photographs where they had it starting to sprout. And it was like, like it was in a controlled environment. Let me get this off the screen so I can change photographs. And then it's gone. It basically looks like, it almost looks like a five-gallon bucket, but it's smaller than that because there's a coffee cup by it. So it's probably, you know, maybe be like an ice cream pail, not quite. So they can control the environment because what the official temperatures that they say on the moon is actually, it can get as high as 260 degrees Fahrenheit during the day and as low as negative 280 degrees Fahrenheit. So with that... It, it couldn't handle it, and it just died. China says the lunar planting experiment has come to an end just after two weeks. Just a day earlier, uh, China National Space Agency released a photo of cotton seeds sprouting on the moon. This marked the first time biological matter has ever been grown on the moon. Cotton, oiled seed, rape, potato, I'm not even going to say that one, Yeast and fruit flies are also on board. So they still got more that can maybe try to sprout. So I don't have to go into it too much more. It's basically, all right, we tried, it failed. It was in a controlled environment and it didn't make it. So I thought I'd just give you that update there on that. Big news, folks. Big Big news. Let's cover it. Let's get into some Space Force, right? Some Space Force. It doesn't exist, folks. All right, Space Force, ladies and gentlemen. Space Force. Huge, huge news. Last Thursday, Trump came out and basically announced that they're going to have space-based weapons. And I want you to pay attention when we go through this video. Look at his facial expressions. Look at how he's saying it. And you're going to realize, all right, they've had this stuff already. So let's play that clip. We will always be at the forefront of everything. Fourth, we will recognize that space is a new warfighting domain with the Space Force leading the way. My upcoming budget will invest in a space-based missile defense layer. It's new technology. Sure. 
it's ultimately going to be a very, very big part Face of our defense and obviously of our offense. The system will be monitored and we will terminate any missile launches from hostile powers or even from powers that make a mistake. By the way, what happened in Hawaii? What was it, a couple of years ago now? A year ago? The missile came in in Hawaii. This is not a drill on the smartphones. They intercepted it with these weapons that they're talking about. Now they want to make this public. So here we go with this drip, drip, drip disclosure. It won't happen regardless of the missile type or geographic origins of the attack. We will ensure that enemy missiles find no sanctuary on Earth or in the skies above. This is the direction that I'm heading. We headed already. We have some very bad players out there. And we're a good player, but we can be far worse than anybody if need be. I've always... Well, we'll see. So there you go, folks. Secret space program stuff is starting to be disclosed. This is going to ramp up real quick. That was a huge announcement. That was got brushed under the rug. It was in your face. You could see Trump's facial expressions there. That told me that he was, well, this is no big deal. It's already been shown to me how many times and we used it. So now I just got to start telling the public about it. Basically, the whole same thing with him meeting Kim Jong-un in Singapore that time. They met earlier in China, but then it was just a show for the public. That's all it is. It's a big, big show. So that's huge, folks. All right. We're going to move on to one more article before we close the day out here. Let's switch on over. Wild Women, the Rippin' and the Terran. All right. Facebook. This is huge because of social media. And this stuff has been talked about before. But I want to express it on this show because, you know, a lot of you are informed. And we can only do so much to inform our friends and family. Those are the hardest to inform, by the way. Don't even try. Just, like, drip some stuff here and there. And if they catch on to it, great. If not, you know, don't worry about it. But addictive use. Well, this was on at the Daily Mail. Millennial meltdown. Social media raises the risk of depression in young people as far as as it forces them to compare themselves to unrealistic lifestyles. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Millennials more likely to be depressed by comparing themselves to other others. Mental health is poor if people show signs of social media addiction. And the people are also tagged in unflattering photos also more likely to be depressed. I tell you, folks, I am still on social media, but I don't use it. It's there. But I just use it if somebody wants to message me, I can talk to them. I obviously use it for this show to post and make it easy for you guys to post this and share this as well when I cut the sections out of this podcast. That's where the people are. It's like, you know, I have issues with YouTube, but where you have to go to YouTube because that's where the people are. You know, I'm, not, I'm streaming right now, but because I'm not on YouTube, you don't hardly get any viewership. So it's like you have to be in the arena. So I'm there, but... But I don't do what I used to do is scroll through that feed every morning because you're seeing everybody having a good time, hanging with their friends. Uh, you know, they got the perfect lifestyle. You start to compare yourself to them. You start getting depressed. And it's this loop that your your mind plays out. And I will be playing a clip coming up from Sean Parker where they admit to this stuff. And that's what all this is. It's, it just turns into a big, my life is better than yours. And it's like, you got to pull the plug and step back. Because once you do, you can have a, live a more fulfilling life. A study of more than 500 millennials aged 18 to 38 found their mental health is poorer if they show signs of addiction to social media. For those who focus on people better or worse than themselves online or who get more upset by being tagged in unflattering photographs. Well, that's the other thing too. If you're going to go out and have a few drinks and act like a you know, a dumbass, have some like control, realize, all right, there's cameras all over. People have cell phones that might get posted somewhere. People think that they want to show themselves as angels. It's like, just don't act stupid. Take some responsibility. 
The study states many individuals who post on social media tend to portray themselves as over, overly positive and posting mainly positive aspects of their lives. So comparing oneself to an exaggerated online persona of a person deemed better off may result in depressive symptoms or envy. Yeah. So I'm going to play this clip of the Facebook. One of, the, one of the creators of Facebook here, we got Sean Parker and Klamath, but I'm not even going to say his last name. They basically admit to this. That's what it's there for. They had to engineer it. They broke everything down. They know what makes the human mind tick. They need that dopamine hit to keep you coming back. And it's very brilliantly orchestrated, but it's detrimental to society now. I'm going to stop the clip a little ways. It's a long clip. It's like three minutes. So I got to stop and comment through because of copyrights, of course, folks. But let's listen. When Facebook was getting going, I had these people who would come up to me um, and they would say, you know, I'm not on social media. And I would say, okay, you know, you will be. It literally changes your relationship with society, with each other, with, you know, oh, yeah. you know it, 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 it probably interferes with productivity in weird ways. Absolutely. God only knows what it's doing to, to our children's brains. That thought process was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. So they can and obviously... that means that we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while um, because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever. And that's what it does. You're waiting for the people that give comments. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you keep going back. Somebody comment on your photo. You got to go back and check and see what they said so you can respond. That gets you back in there. You look at the feed again, and then you're in this never-ending loop. And if you want to be successful, you can't be interrupting yourself. Look, Listen to a lot of successful people in this time and age. They say, turn the social media off. You can't let yourself get dis distracted. Some people are like, oh, I can just respond real quick and go back to what I was doing. When your mind is doing that, it's it's bad for it because you're on a, a, a line of thinking and then you're going off that line to do something else and it just gets interrupted and it gets real bad. And that's going to get you to contribute more content and that's going to get you, you know, more likes and comments. I mean, it's a, it's a, val it's a social validation feedback loop that, that it's like a, I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing that a, that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in, in human psychology. Understood this consciously, and we did it anyway. You know, people are unpredictable, and so we want to psychologically figure out how to manipulate you Boom. as fast as possible and then give you back that dopamine hit. We did that at, brilliantly at Facebook. Instagram has done it. WhatsApp has done it. You know, Snapchat has done it. Twitter has done it. So there are great examples. WeChat is doing it. There are great examples of failing fast is the right path to exploiting psychology of mass populations of people. We have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. By the way, props to these guys for coming out and telling this so people can see it firsthand. It's, it's oh, our society is gone. It is gone, folks. It's all happening. It's all happening. That is truly where we are. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. You know, my solution is I just don't use these tools anymore. I haven't for years. It's created huge tension with my friends, huge tensions in my social circles. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at, like, you know, my Facebook feed, I probably haven't, I've posted maybe two times in seven years, three times, five times. Like, just, it's less than 10. I want to say that I probably posted... I'm lucky if I posted once a year on my, my personal page. On this network page, yeah, I post weekly on there to get this stuff out because that's where the people are. So it is what it is. But if I, to be truly honest, if I didn't have this network, I would have closed my account long ago. Um, and it's weird. I guess I kind of just innately didn't want to get programmed. And so I mm. just turned, tuned it out but I didn't confront it, right? We curate our lives around this perceived sense of perfection because we get rewarded in these short-term signals, hearts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. And instead, what it really is is fake, brittle popularity. 
that's short-term, and that leaves you even more, and admit it, vacant and empty yes. before you did it. Yep. Because then it forces you into this vicious cycle where you're like, what's the next thing I need to do now? Absolutely. Because I need it back. Think about that compounded by 2 billion people. And then think about how people react then to the perceptions of others. It's just a, it's a really bad. Oh, yes. Very bad. So people, you know, take it from there. It's from the horse's mouth. If you can get off it, great. If you still want to let people have contact with you, like I do, I, I'm still on there so people can message me. They want to ask a question or, you know, your friends get a hold of you or whatever. Just leave it there and just don't post. It's very easy. And, you know, you can step it back. If you're really that addicted, step it back slowly. But just you'll see how your life shifts. And I'm actually, you get more satisfied with yourself and it's not this dependency thing. It's always, I got to post so I can let, you're looking for external validation when you can just be happy with yourself, meditate, you know, positive affirmations every day. And that's what the news is doing too. They show you all this bad news right away in the morning, drive you down, drive your frequency down. They don't want you having positive change, feeling good because we're really powerful folks and it's, it's amazing what we can do. All right, so this would be the time in the broadcast where I would love to take phone calls. Hopefully we can do that next week. We'll be live on Facebook. It's going to be fun. Or Facebook, <laughs> see what happens to me? <laughs> Not Facebook. We'll be live back on YouTube because I'll be out of YouTube jail. And uh, we can take some phone calls if people want to do that. I'll have the lines open. That'll be awesome. Again, if you want to help support the broadcast, folks, you can donate to us on Patreon. There's one, five, and ten denominations. That helps goes a long ways. I used all my own personal money to build the studio. Yeah, it looks like I'm funded by George Soros, but I'm not. And you can also make a purchase on Teespring. Uh, thank, big thanks to those who have purchased. That helps out a lot. It helps spread the word. And, you know, do what you can to help out. It's very much appreciated. And I'll be back here next week on Talk is Cheap. Where cheap is talk and talk is cheap. Bye bye, folks. Thanks for listening. Visit k2d4network.com today.